The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. From January of this year, tell me about just one specific moment when you had that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach because you were not seeing the response that you knew needed to happen. Congressman, I'll never forget the emails I received from from Mike Bowen and indicating that we are we are our mass supply or N95 respiratory supply was was completely decimated, and he said we're in deep shit, the world is, and we need to act. And I pushed that forward to the highest levels I could in HHS. I got no response. From that moment, I knew that we were going to have a crisis for our healthcare workers because we were not taking action. We were already behind the ball. That was our last window of opportunity to turn on that production to save the lives of those healthcare workers. Dr. Rick Bright testifying yesterday on Capitol Hill before a House committee. He was speaking to John Sarbanes, the congressman out of Maryland. Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Friday, May the 15th, 2020. Today's episode focuses specifically on the hearing yesterday held in the House on Capitol Hill regarding Rick Bright, Dr. Rick Bright, who was removed from his position last month in two government agencies, one of them the National Institutes of Health and the other a group called BARDA, B-A-R-D-A. Those two agencies were, and still are, very integral to health, to responding to pandemics. In fact, Dr. Bright himself was in charge of a team of scientists who were in charge of looking into pandemics, looking at diagnostics, looking at testing, looking at pandemic response. And Dr. Bright himself, a scientist, was charged with the responsibility of making sure that the United States was well equipped to handle the situations that would face it in a pandemic. I'm going to read a portion of the statement that was given yesterday by Dr. Rick Bright. This will be about maybe two and a half minutes, if that. This statement was what was read yesterday during his appearance before the House Committee. 
I am Dr. Rick Bright, a career public servant and a scientist who has spent 25 years of my career focused on addressing pandemic outbreaks. I received my bachelor's degree with honors in both biology and physical sciences from Auburn University at Montgomery in Alabama. I earned my PhD in immunology and molecular pathogenesis from Emory University in Georgia. My dissertation was focused on pandemic avian influenza. I have spent my entire career leading teams of scientists in drugs, diagnostics, and vaccine development in the government with CDC and Barter for a global non-profit organization and also in the biotechnology industry. Regardless of my position, my job and my entire professional focus has been on saving lives. My professional background has prepared me for a moment like this to confront and defeat a deadly virus like COVID-19 that threatens Americans and people around the globe. I joined the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority in 2010. And from November of 2016 until April 21st of this year, I have the privilege of serving our country as its director. During the time I was director of BADA, we successfully partnered with private industry to achieve an unprecedented number of FDA approvals for medical countermeasures against a wide variety of national health security threats. This was a major and unprecedented accomplishment, and one that I and the conscientious employees of BADA take great pride in. On April 21, 2020, I was removed from my positions as the Director of BARDA and HHS Deputy Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response by HHS leadership and involuntary transferred to a more limited and less impactful position at the National Institutes of Health. I believe this transfer was in response to my insistence that the government invest funding allocated to BARDA by Congress to address the COVID-19 pandemic into safe and scientifically vetted solutions and not in drugs, vaccines, and other technologies that lack scientific merit. While my intention in testifying today is to be forward-looking, I spoke out then and I am testifying today because science, not politics or cronyism, must lead the way to combat this deadly virus. Well said, Dr. Bright. Well said. foremost, we need to be truthful with the American people. Americans deserve the truth. The truth must be based on science. We have the world's greatest scientist. Let us lead. Let us speak without fear of retribution. We must listen. Each of us can and must do our part now. 
On Tuesday, Dr. Fauci delivered a message and a voice that is clear and trustworthy as he encouraged us to act with caution as we return to our daily lives. We should listen to him and other scientists sharing their expertise. While waiting for a cure and a vaccine, which I believe will come, there are things we must do immediately. We must increase the public education about the basics, washing hands, social distancing, appropriate face covering. They're simple but critical steps to buy valuable time until there's vaccine. We need to ramp up production of essential equipment and supplies, including raw materials and critical components. Shortages of these increase the risk of our frontline healthcare workers, and they deserve the best equipment to protect themselves. We need to facilitate equitable distribution of essential equipment and supplies. And finally, we need a national testing strategy. The virus is here. It's everywhere. We need to be able to find it, isolate it, and stop it. We need to have the right testing for everyone who needs it. We need to be able to trace contacts, isolate, quarantine, and appropriately while striving to develop a cure. Initially, our nation was not as prepared as we should have been, as we could have been. Some scientists raised early warning signals that were overlooked and pages from our pandemic playbook were ignored by some in leadership. There will be plenty of time to look back to assess what has happened so we can improve. But right now we need to focus on getting things right going forward. We need a comprehensive plan that everyone knows and everyone participates in. Congress has taken important steps to support the response and there's much more we can do. We certainly do need a comprehensive plan here in the United States. We certainly do need that. That was Dr. Richard Bright, Rick Bright, who was ousted from his position. As the former director, he was once the director of BARDA, that's the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. He had a huge responsibility. He's one of the top scientists in the country. And had he and his concerns been addressed, we probably wouldn't have, I'm almost certainly wouldn't have the near 90,000 deaths that we do have in this country right now from coronavirus. And as we all know, that number is most likely twice as many people dying from this virus here in the United States. For about four and a half hours, Dr. Bright testified, answered questions, dealt with some Republican Congress people who were more interested in how much money Dr. Bright was making or whether he received a paycheck or whether he was currently being paid than getting to the bottom of why the Trump administration and Donald Trump turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to millions of people who were sure to die from this virus. Why Donald Trump didn't do anything, quite frankly, to address containing the virus. Why Donald Trump didn't do anything to really assist the states. 
why Donald Trump wouldn't send ventilators to New York. And the ones he ended up sending to California, all of them, all 174 of them, were broken. Why would you send broken ventilators to a state that needed ventilators for people who were on the edge of death? That will certainly be something that I think voters should think about. I think people who have lost loved ones should think about that. I think anybody in the country should think about things like that. Should think about the fact that we now have a skyrocketing unemployment rate. Should think about the fact that now over 36 and a half million people in the United States are out of work. And again, we still have not factored in all the people who haven't been able to get through to file unemployment claims. And we haven't factored in all the people who have just stopped looking for work and just cannot be bothered. We are in the middle of another Republican Great Depression. And the worst kind of people you would want in the White House are people who are part of a death cult. Donald Trump yesterday or the day before talking about such a beautiful thing it was for people to be running into bullets, soldiers running into bullets and them meeting their death. Donald Trump loves to talk about death. Donald Trump loves to talk about it. He didn't blink an eye when one of his good friends died of the coronavirus a month or two ago. And of course, just last month, he talked about ingesting bleach, thinking that it was a good idea for people to inject themselves with disinfectant. Some people actually did. Last month, he talked about hydroxychloroquine and advised people to take it. Hydroxychloroquine has been shown over and over again to be not only an ineffective drug in fighting coronavirus, there is no drug right now that is proven to do that, except perhaps for rendesivir, which shortens the suffering for average patients who have this virus. But hydroclox, I almost got through it without <laughs> mangling it until now. Hydroxychloroquine is a drug that causes massive death massive cardiac arrest and is been proven over and over again to be ineffective and extremely dangerous. In fact, a deadly drug to take for this virus. So Donald Trump peddles death. Rick Bright and other scientists champion life. And what do those who champion life get for their troubles from a so-called pro-life government, they get ousted. They get demoted. They get ridiculed. I think people should be reminded about how much Donald Trump hates America. I think people should be reminded as we continue to get ever closer to the 2020 election, they should be reminded about how Donald Trump 
neglected states in this country that he's supposed to be leading, but is only leading over a cliff named the Grand Canyon. I have a feeling that uh, a lot of the numbers that are being said in some areas are just bigger than they're going to be. I don't believe you need 40,000 or 30,000 ventilators. This is what he said. I don't believe you need 40,000 or 30,000 ventilators. He said that in March of this year. And he said it on Fox News, of course. Where else would he say it? Well, he says these things everywhere. That is the extent of Donald Trump's concern about the country. He cares more about the stock market. And even though the economy is crumbling, I mean, literally crumbling around him, he pretends as if somehow that has nothing to do with him. There was another person who testified at this hearing. His name is Mike Bowen. Mike Bowen is the executive vice president of Prestige Ameritech. He is a Republican based in Texas. He is a Republican who actually, I think, is a Joe Biden supporter. He is not somebody who is a Democrat by any stretch. But Mike Bowen was letting Republicans know on Capitol Hill yesterday that he'd had enough of the hectoring. Here is just one such clip around that particular sentiment. This is Mike Bowen, and you will also hear the voice of Congressman Brett Guthrie out of Kentucky. Now, both of these are Republicans, so keep that in mind as well. This is Mike Bowen. Purchasing groups, the Hospital Risk Managers Association. Hospital Risk Managers Association told them the mass supply was going to collapse. This is a risk. Nobody listened. Association of Operating Room Nurses, the Defense Department, the Veterans Department, Texas Governor Rick Perry, uh, State Texas Rep Bill Zedler. By the way, Bill Zedler, Bill Zedler got it. Um, dozens of reporters. I've been on every news show. I've done this for 13 years. Nobody listened. And, 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 and my conscience is clean, Mr. Gu- Mr. Guthrie. I've been working on this damn issue for 13 years, trying to save lives. Nobody listened. And now that I'm not going to take any of this. What you're trying to do. I'm not sure. I'm- well, I didn't even want to play the rest of that. Um, it's very, very clear what they are trying to do. And what the Republicans are trying to do is marginalize, ridicule, and undermine anybody who speaks the truth, anybody whose truth-telling is inconvenient for Donald Trump. And what I think is so arrogant about all of this from the Republicans doing this is that they are doing this with an election year literally right in their faces. The election year is here right now, 
And it seems Republicans are even more brazen about wanting one-party minority rule. The Republican Party is a distinct minority in this country. In fact, it isn't even really a party anymore. It is a wholly owned subsidiary of multi-trillion dollar corporations. You've got a Republican Party that makes it clear that it is not interested in the average person. People have already forgotten that Lindsey Graham, Ben Sass, and others got up on the Senate floor in March and decried unemployment benefits or a raise in the amount of unemployment benefits that the average person was going to get. Lindsey Graham was saying things like, oh, well, you know what? That means that people would not want to work because, my goodness, if they're getting an extra $600, they wouldn't want to go back to work. They wouldn't want to look for work. It was very interesting and very telling that in that very same argument on the Senate floor, that same Lindsey Graham said nothing of the $2 trillion plus, or really $6 trillion when you add it all up, that these multi-billion dollar businesses were getting. That there was no incentive for them to change the conditions for their workers. The very workers that he claimed were sitting at home with an extra $600 in their pockets because, yeah, they wouldn't want to go back to work. They wouldn't want to go look for a job. The same workers who were victimized by all kinds of wretched conditions, such as at Amazon, where there was COVID-19 running amok. Somehow, Lindsey Graham was very, very quiet in that same Senate floor argument that he made in March around the billions of dollars that companies, big businesses were getting. Big businesses like Amazon, big businesses were getting all this money. And the same businesses were stealing that money from the small businesses, the PPP, which was a complete disaster. Somehow, somehow that was inconvenient for Lindsey Graham. Arguing against your unemployment benefits being just a little bit extra. In Denmark, 100% of worker salaries are paid for by the government in conjunction with the corporations that are employing those who have been forced to go home and not work because of this virus, forced to either be laid off, who have been laid off, who have been furloughed. All the while, Denmark pays their salaries 100%, not 50%, not 20%, not even 85%, 100%. And they pay those salaries for as long as the crisis, this pandemic goes on, which could be at least another year if you really look at it, if not more. And not only do they pay 100% of worker salaries in Denmark, they also pay them extra for other situations, other things that those individuals are going through. It amounts to care packages. And you've got Lindsey Graham on the floor in the Senate back in March complaining, oh my goodness me, those people, they don't want to work. 
600 extra dollars. We are so far behind everybody else. We claim to be this great innovative place. But look at the way government treats the average person. The way this specific government, this Republican government, treats the average person with contempt. And then Donald Trump wants to send you back to work into an economy that he wants to see look better because that means his poll numbers will go up, which means perhaps for him, if the economy improves before November, there for him is the opportunity of a possible re-election. Well, I'm here to say that that's not going to happen. He will not be re-elected this November. He's not going to be re-elected, period. Everything Donald Trump and the Republicans do is out of self-interest. Everything. Lindsey Graham, by the way, has his Senate seat on the line this November. And the mere fact that Lindsey Graham argued before you and said that you don't want to work because you're going to have an extra $600 in your pocket. How dare you even get that money? While he said absolutely nothing at all about these big corporations that are getting all this money, that got all this money from that stimulus bill in March, should tell you that you should be voting for his opponent this November, Jamie Harrison. You should vote for Jamie Harrison for U.S. Senate in South Carolina if you are a South Carolinian. Make sure that you do that. Make sure that you vote for Jamie Harrison. And by the way, let me forgive me for being angry. I'm angry because I've done this for so so long and I've been ignored for so long that is Mike Bowen he testified yesterday and that was an excerpt from his testimony before the House Committee subcommittee yesterday on Capitol Hill and he is the executive vice president of a company called Now let's get the company name correct. Amer- Prestige Ameritech. Prestige Ameritech makes masks. And Mike Bowen had for years, for years been sounding the alarm about the U.S. mask supply. The United States had been making tons of masks, had been making lots and lots of them. And... What Mike Bowen was saying for years, even before Trump walked into the White House, was that there was a very serious problem with the lack of supply of masks because fewer and fewer companies were making them in the United States anymore. What was happening was is that those companies were going overseas. And this is something I also want to talk about that I think did not get a lot of coverage yesterday. And that was because there is a reality that's going on. Regardless of the political party in power, 
in Washington, D.C. And that is the reality of globalization and U.S. companies, among others around the world, shipping their jobs overseas to China, to India, to numerous other places on the planet. This is something that is being ignored by people, is not being talked about by people. Even most of the presidential candidates on the Democratic side aren't talking about it. And nor were the Republican candidates either in 2016. Very, very, very few of them. I think the only candidate on the Democratic side this time who did actually talk about it, now that I think about it, was Bernie Sanders. Was the only one I could think of who has. And the only other person who mentioned this kind of thing was Andrew Yang, also a Democratic presidential candidate. He talked about automation, which I've also talked about on several occasions in prior episodes of this podcast. But this clip I'm about to play from Mike Bowen, who kept his company in Texas, kept his company in Texas while most of the other American companies, almost all of these U.S. companies, departed from the country, took their operations elsewhere to make a quick buck and to maximize their profits. That has happened in all of these situations. And so Mike Bowen was frustrated. And this clip, I think, shows some of that frustration. You will be able to hear the clip. But this is really the heart of the matter as well. When we get past all the partisanship, and don't get me wrong, I think Donald Trump should be paying a severe price for this in November. At the ballot box, a severe price. Not only should he lose, and I think he's going to lose, I think he should be absolutely drummed out of the White House this November with a landslide victory for Joe Biden. That's what I think should be happening. If American voters are very serious about exercising from their lives a tyrant, a fascist, a racist, a misogynist, a gaslighter, a sociopath, a psychopath, then they really should, right now, check their voter registration at IWillVote.com or RockTheVote.org and then pledge to vote Keep checking your voter registration and make sure that you register others or tell them to consult those websites. And then this November, vote in droves. Make sure you have a plan to vote because there's going to be all kinds of shenanigans and they're already happening where Republicans are stealing votes, literally stealing voters, taking them off the voter rolls. So that's why it's very important to check your voter registration and check it often. I'd say twice a month. Here's this clip that I was telling you about 
Mike Bowen, the executive vice president of Prestige Ameritech, which makes lots of masks. Mike Bowen had been sounding the alarm on this for 13 plus years. Interviews, all kinds of things, and nobody listened to him. Nobody listened to him. None. And now, pandemic. Here is a clip here. And I think that he is telling the truth about American corporations and businesses and how they are looking to fatten their bottom line at the expense of the everyday worker and also at the expense, quite frankly, of the already weakened infrastructure in this country, which I have talked about in several prior episodes of this podcast. Here is Mike Bowen. A toilet plunger was the only thing I could find that was made in, made in America. And it, it's what it is. It's the, it's the people like the Lowe's and the Home Depot and the Walmarts and the, and the medical companies that they're, they're, the way they want to make money is to lower their costs. The way they lower their costs is to go to China. The, the line is long and wide for people going to China. And that's why we're dependent on them for everything. I mean, go and look at your closet. Look at your tools. Look, look at everything. It's all, it's all from, all, the, all from China. And the stuff that's in Mexico, let me say this, half of the U.S. mask supply is in Mexico. It's got reservations to go to China. Mexico's not cheap enough. And hospitals are cash-strapped and they're, they're bidding out things. If this hadn't happened, Mexico would have lost their business and they'd have gone, China would have, in five years, China would have made all masks and respirators. Like they do the, the gowns. Thank you. What, what's Mike Bowen testifying yesterday before the House and Energy Committee there on Capitol Hill and telling the truth about American corporations and businesses. This is what they do. This is the business model that is not just unique to America. It's something that's endemic to all of these multi-billion dollar corporations and businesses. They look to maximize their profit, not by valuing their workers, not by paying their workers more, not by improving the conditions that also improve productivity and then give a healthier working environment to the worker who then wants to produce more, then wants to go the extra mile, then has their needs met. And then if they get quality health care, you know, all of these things that can actually be more enriching for the worker and the business and the CEO. They don't want that. They want straight up maximizing the bottom line. And so what that means is decimate the worker and automate the work. And then if that doesn't work out so well, take all the jobs and put them in different countries. I think that people have already seen the difference when they call up a customer service place. And the service sector industry is one of the biggest places where this is happening. Where you have something wrong with your cable, television, service, or your internet service. And you are on the phone and you find out that the person you're calling is a continent or two away from you. So the worker that you expected to have a job who may be here in the United States 
is not that individual. That person has been laid off. That company has decided to offload or offshore those jobs to different countries where workers' wages are significantly lower. And so if that American multinational corporation decides that it's going to go to a different country where the wages are depressed and pay them maybe just a little bit more above what they get, that is like a gold mine for some people in other countries. So you will get someone coming to you from a continent or two away. Well, that is the product of all kinds of things in laws done by Republicans and some Democrats where there is no penalty at all for American companies to shift jobs overseas. There's nothing in legislation that punishes them. There's nothing in the laws that punish them. So as a result, you have businesses in this country, many of them, flocking overseas to maximize the bottom line of the CEO. You've got CEOs now making thousands and thousands of times the wage that their very worker is making and paying no tax for it. No taxes. You've got Jeff Bezos paying no federal taxes whatsoever. He's become a trillionaire. While you've got Lindsey Graham arguing on the Senate floor in March, well, my goodness me, those people out there, they shouldn't get an extra $600 for unemployment insurance. $600? They don't want to work. Because $600 additional money is going to keep them at home. You know, Lindsey Graham, of course, very silent about the kinds of profits the CEOs are making. CEOs have been making out like bandits over the last 40 years. From Reagan to Bush to Clinton to Bush 2 to Obama to Trump. One thing that has not changed in that intervening 40 years has been, well, put it this way, one thing that has changed in the intervening 40 years has been CEO profits. And they've been going up, up, and up. That's the change. So the dirty little secret is, and Mike Bowen just told you about it in that clip, is that American companies are moving jobs overseas and have been now for several years. In fact, I would say a couple of decades. That's the not-so-secret, dirty little secret. Mike Bowen gets to the heart of it in that clip. Then you've got Twitter telling workers, oh, you can work at home forever. In the middle of a pandemic, you know, Instead of coming into the building in San Francisco you work in, instead of coming to the building in New York that you work in, instead of wherever you might go to go into a headquarters or go into an office that Twitter has, yeah, you don't have to. You can stay home now forever. Pandemic or no pandemic, even when the pandemic is over, you can just work from home. And the bottom line is that's what's happening. 
That is the future and that's the present. People are going to be working from home. And that is going to be something where most of the working class is going to be at a huge disadvantage. Because most people in the working class do not get to work from home because they are not at jobs that are conducive to working from home. That is another piece that gets put and that should be put in with what you just heard from Mike Bowen. Because in that clip, he talks about the companies and corporations who are going overseas. But what he doesn't mention is what happens to the workers? What happens to those people who work at those companies that go overseas? Those workers in American companies that go overseas do not go overseas with them. Those workers do not go overseas with those companies. They are laid off. And it's interesting because in another clip from yesterday's testimony, the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Health, Mike Bowen talks about what happens. And here he is talking about what happens here. And he talks about this mask issue, the supply issue that has not been addressed, hadn't been addressed by George W. Bush, hadn't been addressed by President Obama, hadn't been addressed by Donald Trump. This, again, is something that goes beyond one party or another. Both parties were doing this. This is about the country. And this is about a country that allows companies to go overseas and stay there and allows those companies to hire cheap labor. And those companies do that without any problem. And then in, then they employ people who are undocumented, pay them next to nothing, and then the undocumented person who needs the money, who will do any job that they can because they want to make a living because in their countries, the conditions are so oppressive and so dangerous and the political terrain is so dangerous. They want to come to the United States to make a living that's a little bit better for them and safer for them, if you can imagine it. And yet they're the ones being demonized. They're the ones being thrown in cages. And what do we do about it? The average American, the average person in America shrugs their shoulders. And if they shrugged their shoulders before this pandemic, you can only imagine what they are doing right now. Here's the clip from Rick Bowen, excuse me, Mike Bowen. Mike Bowen again here talking about, well, I'll just play it for you. This is Mike Bowen yesterday testifying before the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Health. This was a very good hearing and a very important one yesterday. Here is Mike Bowen. I say that we as a country and as the people who are supposed to be on top of this stuff messed up. 
And it's not what happened in January. It's what's happened since 2007. Actually, since 2004, you know. Um, Presidential Directive 21 by George Bush identified this as a problem in 2007. I've been on CNN and Lou Dobbs and Neil Cavuto and at at infinitum for all this time. Is there not something a little more insidious here when you have an administration that, that downplayed it and said it was going to disappear and and didn't follow the scientist and told Dr. Bright uh, instead of we respect you and we hear you, in fact, we're going to uh, can you and we're going to reassign you and we're going to bury you because you're speaking truth to power. Isn't that a little bit different right now? Uh, now that you ask, um, again, I'm a Republican, been a lifelong Republican, and I'm embarrassed by how that's been handled. I, like Rick Bragg said, it's the scientists we need to be listening to, and we're not. Mm-hmm. That's got that that has got to change, or more or more lives are going to be lost. I think that pretty much spells it out. We are failing here in the United States. But the news is, the good news is, we don't have to. We don't have to go down this road. The road of the death cult. We don't have to go down this road of treating people who want to work and be productive and make better lives for themselves with the maximum contempt. Why do we want to do that in the United States of America? Isn't that supposed to be or supposedly antithetical to how we model ourselves as a welcoming society, a welcoming nation? If you study, of course, the history of the United States, of course, it's been anything but welcoming to the people who are already here, to the people whose land it is. There's no question about that profound lack of welcome. In fact, the country has been trampled on and invaded by the very people who claim that it is such a welcoming place, who devised this notion of this welcoming place with the founding fathers, many of whom owned human beings, black people, as property. We've failed for many more years than 14 or 16 or 20. We have to become a better nation, a better model of decency. And what we have now in the federal government is Donald Trump, who embodies indecency, illegality, illegitimacy and irresponsibility and quite frankly I think that he should be in jail right now because there's only one word for what he has done during this pandemic and what his lack of action his non-action over the last five months plus has been about it's all for him, about actually two things, genocide and re-election.
That is what it's been about. That's what it has been about. That's what it's been all about. Ever since Donald Trump stole his way to office in 2016. The whole thing with Ukraine, which people have already forgotten, by the way. That whole telephone call where Donald Trump clearly abused his power, asking for the Ukraine officials and the president specifically of Ukraine to merely announce an investigation into Joe Biden, announce one into Joe Biden and into Hunter Biden and Burisma to announce it. And they came so close to actually announcing it. And Fareed Zakaria put the brakes on it. And the, well, that, he was, he was going to go ahead and actually have the Ukraine president on to announce it. People have already forgotten about that. This is all about Trump trying to get reelected. All of this is completely psychopathic. Michael Moore has detailed this in Fahrenheit 11.9, where in the first couple of minutes, right after Donald Trump was sworn in, in January of 2017, his campaign filed the re-elect Trump 2020 campaign papers. And everything this guy has done has been all about trying to get himself re-elected so that he doesn't have to face a jail sentence and doesn't have to face prosecution by the Southern District of New York. This week, we've had all of these things come up while we're all distracted by the very urgent and understandable things this pandemic has wrought. You had Supreme Court arguments about Donald Trump's taxes and whether he should turn them over. You had this abuse of power by Attorney General Barr now being scaled back. Michael Flynn's case is not over. He cannot completely claim victory here at all. And all these other things going on, Betsy DeVos giving all this money to friendly schools and religious schools while public schools are getting nothing. Betsy DeVos, who last week put out guidelines that were favoring men and men's groups and making it harder for women who are victims of rape or any other form of violence to bring charges on campuses or de or hold their rapists accountable. Many people did not know those headlines existed, but they are out there because they absolutely happened. I think it is time for us to listen to not only what both Dr. Rick Bright and Mike Bowen said yesterday, and I would recommend that people do watch that hearing. It's available on cspan.org. That hearing yesterday in the House Energy subcommittee that I was talking about on health. I also recommend that people look up those stories about Betsy DeVos making it harder for survivors of violence against them on campuses to get relief. Make it harder for them to file complaints. Make it harder for them. I mean, this is evil. 
And keep in mind that you should be voting this November. Iwillvote.com is a place to go to check your voter registration. Same thing with rockthevote.org. Same thing with whenweallvote.org. Now is the time. We are in the middle of May. For you in the United States, of course, Memorial Day is around the corner. It's not going to be quite the same kind of Memorial Day that we are used to given this pandemic. But it is time now for us to start thinking about voting this November, whether it's by mail, which is probably going to be for all the country. And we have to also look at this post office that Donald Trump wants to get rid of. He will do anything to make sure he tries to stay in power. He will do anything. And I think if this guy wanted to start a war, a global war, he would do it if it meant that he could stay in power. He certainly has no objection to killing or being responsible for over 90,000 people dead in this country from his inaction due to coronavirus. And by the way, not due to coronavirus. Well, obviously it was coronavirus, but his inaction was all about wanting to stay in power. That's why he didn't want it to look bad for him because he knew that voters would see that. Well, voters see it now anyway. And all these racist demonstrators in state capitals that the media loves to focus on, and they're only a small minority, but a loud minority, all of them are part of Donald Trump's distraction. Just like these campaign rally briefings on a daily basis, which he no longer holds, were part of the distraction, are part of the distraction from what's going on in this country, from you losing your job, from you losing a loved one to this virus that Donald Trump did not do nearly enough to protect you from. In fact, didn't care to protect you from, didn't care to have testing in this country. This is a nightmare. And Dr. Rick Bright and Mike Bowen were very strong proponents of changing the reality and detailing what needs to be done and sounding the alarm in a very effective hearing held in the House yesterday on Capitol Hill. We knew some of this before, but it really shows in stark relief just how serious things are. And you, if you are going through this pandemic in ways that are unbearable, know very clearly what it is like at the moment. There is really one focus for November and a focus before then. And that is to register to vote, to register others to vote virtually, of course, in terms of just sending them text messages and encouraging them, telling them to go and check their voter registration and to register to vote. And then to get out and vote on November 3rd or vote by mail. I'm Omar Moore. Thank you for listening to The Politocrat.